Section 15 of The Glories of Ireland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Glories of Ireland. Edited by Joseph Dunn and P.J. Lennox. The Fighting Race, Part 2 the fighting race abroad we next see irish soldiers fighting abroad the blood they had shed so freely for the stuarts at the boyne at athlone at ogram at limerick was in vain the king of france if he sent armies to ireland demanded irish troops in return the transports that brought the french regiments over in may sixteen hundred ninety took back over five thousand officers and men from ireland who formed the first irish brigade in the service of france this remember was before the battle of the boyne the men were formed on their arrival in france into three regiments those of mount cashel o'brien and dillon named after their commanders and were sent to savoy the french aid to james in ireland helped best in giving confidence to the raw irish levies but it was more than offset by the german troops brought over by william the weakness indecision or worse of james before derry his chicken-hearted failure to overwhelm schomberg when he lay at his mercy before the arrival of william ruined his chances remember that the irish army if defeated at the boyne was not broken and was strong enough when pursued by william to repulse him with five hundred killed and one thousand wounded and to compel him to raise the siege of limerick the dash and skill of patrick sarsfield earl of lucan backed by irish desperation won the day the french troops sailed home after william's retreat in the next year's campaign occurred the crowning disasters of the war but in any other country or with any other people than the english the terms of capitulation at limerick which were formulated by ginkle and showed a soldier's respect for a brave and still powerful foe would have ushered in an era of peace the irish soldier's distrust of the conquerors was shown in the fact that since the stipulations allowed the free departure of the garrison with honours of war nineteen thousand fifty-nine officers and men took service with france and sailed in october sixteen hundred ninety one on the french fleet which by the irony of fate had arrived in the shannon too late on the very day after the signing of the treaty of limerick never in the whole course of the history of nations has more hideous treachery been shown than in the immediate breaking of that treaty and dearly has england paid for it ever since although for the hundred years that followed ireland sank to the very depths under the penal laws with her trade ruined her land stolen her religion persecuted and all education and enlightenment forbidden by abominable drastic laws if as has been computed four hundred fifty thousand irish fought and died in the service of france between sixteen hundred ninety and seventeen hundred forty five a further thirty thousand are to be added down to seventeen hundred ninety three a french writer estimates the whole irish contingent at seven hundred fifty thousand but for a roster of seekers of glory from an impoverished people the more reasonable half-million should surely suffice long would be the story to follow the fighting fortunes of the irish brigades officered by irish gentlemen and drilled to perfection they soon came to hold in the french service the esteem that later was given to irish regiments in the service of england king louis welcomed them heartily and paid them a higher wage than his native soldiers 
no duty was too arduous or too dangerous for the irish brigades seldom were they left to rust in idleness europe was a cauldron of wars of high ambitions the irish regiments fought through the war in flanders at landen july twenty ninth sixteen hundred ninety three the french under the duke of luxembourg defeated the english under william the third with a slaughter of ten thousand four hundred seventy three men losing eight thousand men themselves in the retreat ginkle william's general in the irish campaign was almost drowned in the river greet the irish royal regiment of foot guards that of dorrington was the first corps to break through the english entrenchments its gallant leader colonel barrett falling as he headed the charge here also was stricken lieutenant-colonel nugent of sheldon's irish regiment here also fell saddest loss of all patrick sarsfield earl of lucan brave resourceful a true unfaltering soldier and lover of his country the legend of his life-blood flowing before his eyes and his utterance would it had been shed for ireland may and should be true although he lived three days after the battle would indeed it had been shed for ireland after such a day it was in seventeen hundred three that the celebrated defence of cremona lifted irish renown to great heights throughout europe there were but six hundred irish troopers all told in that long day's work and from the break of day till nightfall they held at bay prince eugene's army of ten thousand men the two battalions of bourke and dillon were surprised at early morn to learn that the austrians and there were irish officers among them were in the town major o'mahony and his men ran from their beds to the gates and neither the foes without nor the foes within could make them budge terribly they suffered under concentrated attacks but a withering fire from the irish met every assault it was nightfall before relief came and then the sons of ireland who had held cremona for the french were acclaimed by all but of their six hundred they had lost nearly three hundred fifty small wonder that the honour list that day was long in bourke's battalion the specially distinguished were captains washup plunkett donnellan mcauliffe Curran, power nugent and ivers in dillon's major o'mahony captains dillon lynch macdonough and mcgee and lieutenants dillon and gibbon john bourke and thomas dillon major o'mahony was sent to paris to carry the news of the victory to the king who presented him with a purse of one thousand louis d'or a pension of one thousand livres and the brevet of colonel so the history proceeds the irish regiments lost in the array of the french forces but showing here and there a glint of charging bayonets captured trenches and gushes of irish blood in seventeen hundred three the brigade regiments fought in italy and germany under the duc de vendome we hear of the regiments of berwick bourke dillon galmoy and fitzgerald vigorously engaged in germany the story is of sheldon's horse and two battalions of the regiments of dorrington and clare at the first battle of blenheim september twentieth seventeen hundred three the regiment of clare lost one of its colours rallied charged with the bayonet and recovered it taking two colours from the enemy this was a french victory not so the great battle of blenheim august seventeen hundred four when marlborough and prince eugene severely defeated the french and bavarians three irish battalions shared in the disaster in seventeen hundred five at cassano in italy an irish regiment finding itself badly galled by artillery fire from the opposite bank of the adda declared they could stand it no longer and thereupon jumped in swam the river and captured the battery 
in seventeen hundred five colonel o'mahony of cremona fame distinguished himself in spain in the next year at the battle of ramillies in which marlborough with the dutch defeated the french under villeroy lord clare's regiment captured the colours of the english churchill regiment and of the scottish regiment in the dutch service in the same year and the next the irish brigade fought many battles in spain one cannot pursue the details of the engagements regiments ever decimated were ever recruited by the wild geese from ireland the adventurous catholic youth of the country who sought congenial outlet for their love of adventure and glory many irish also joined the french army after deserting from the english forces in flanders it was however at fontenoy may eleventh seventeen hundred forty five that the irish brigade rendered their most signal service to france the english under the duke of cumberland son of george the second with fifty five thousand men including a large german and dutch auxiliary met the french under marshal saxe and in the presence of the french king louis the fifteenth near tournay in belgium saxe had forty thousand men in action and twenty four thousand around tournay which town was the objective of the english advance among the troops on the field were the six irish regiments of clare dillon bulkeley roth berwick and lawley all under charles o'brien viscount clare afterwards marshal thomond of france after fierce cannonading on both sides and a check to the allies on the right and left a great column of english veterans advanced on the french centre breaking through with sheer force they had thus reached high ground when some cannonading halted them it was at this moment of gravest peril to the french that the irish regiments with unshotted guns charged headlong up the slope on their ancient enemies crying remember limerick and british faith the great english column already roughly handled by the cannon broke and fled in wild disorder before that irresistible onslaught and france had won a priceless victory but the six irish regiments lost one-third of their gallant men by a single volley as they followed their steel into the english lines when charles edward the stuart pretender landed in scotland in seventeen hundred forty five he was followed by a small french force including five hundred irishmen from the brigade colonel john o'sullivan was much relied on by the prince in his extraordinary campaign sir thomas sheridan also distinguished himself there were four hundred seventy-five irish at the battle of culloden that foredoomed defeat of the steward cause and two days later a score of irish officers were among those who surrendered at inverness in spain at the beginning of the eighteenth century there were hundreds of irish officers in the military service and eight irish regiments among the officers were thirteen kellys thirteen burkes and four shays it seemed that ireland had soldiers for the world don patricio don miguel don carlos don tadeo took the place of patrick michael charles and thaddeus o'hart gives a list of sixty descendants of the wild geese in places of honour in spain general prim was a descendant of the princes of innisnage and kilkenny and o'donnell was duke of tetuan and field marshal of spain ambrose o'higgins born in county meath ireland was the foremost spanish soldier in chile and peru admiral patricio lynch was one of its most distinguished sailors and james mckenna its greatest military engineer the son of o'higgins was foremost among those who fought for chilean independence and gained it and one of his ablest lieutenants was colonel charles patrick o'madden of maryland in austria the irish soldiers were particularly welcome 
they count forty-one field marshals major-generals generals of cavalry and masters of ordnance of irish birth in the austrian service o'callaghan relates that on march seventeenth seventeen hundred sixty six his excellency count mahony son of the o'mahony of cremona ambassador from spain to the court of vienna gave a grand entertainment in honour of st patrick to which he invited all persons of condition who were of irish descent among many others there were present count lacy president of the council at war the generals o'donnell maguire o'kelly brown plunkett and mcgillagut four chiefs of the grand cross two governors several knights military six staff officers and four privy councillors with the principal officers of state all wore patrick's crosses in honour of the irish nation as did the whole court that day emperor francis i said the more irish officers in the austrian service the better the bravery will not be wanting our troops will always be well disciplined the Austrian O'Reillys and Toffs were famous. It was the Dragoon Regiment of Count O'Reilly that by a splendid charge saved the remnant of the Austrian army at Austerlitz. In the American War of the Revolution, General Charles Gagahan of the Irish Brigade made the campaigns of Rochambeau in Lafayette. He received the Order of the Cincinnati from Washington and was ever proud of it lieutenant-general o'moran also served in america he was afterwards executed in the french revolution for the brigade remained royalist to the end general arthur dillon who served in the brigade was also guillotined in seventeen hundred ninety four crying vive le roi at the foot of the scaffold a woman probably madame hebert also condemned stood beside him the executioner told her to mount the steps oh monsieur dillon she said pray go first anything to oblige a lady he answered gaily and so faced his god lord macaulay commenting upon these things and deploring the policies that brought them about says with great significance there were irish catholics of great ability but they were to be found everywhere except in ireland at versailles at st ildefonso in the armies of frederick in the armies of maria theresa one exile lord clare became a marshal of france another general wall became prime minister of spain scattered all over europe were to be found brave irish generals dexterous irish diplomatists irish counts irish barons irish knights of st louis and st leopold of the white eagle and of the golden fleece who if they remained in the house of bondage could not have been ensigns of marching regiments or freemen of petty corporations the old irish brigades ended with the french monarchy battalions of the regiments of dillon and walsh were with the french fleet in the west indies at grenada and st eustache also at savannah and under rochambeau at yorktown but except as to the officers the surviving regiments of berwick dillon and walsh were largely french with the better times under grattan's parliament in ireland the soldier emigration to france had all but ceased the irish volunteers of seventeen hundred eighty two numbered one hundred thousand men of whom an appreciable proportion were catholics many irish went into the english army and navy but there was another stream of fighting emigrants that which flocked to the standard of revolt against england in america of which much was to be heard thereafter in the american colonies before the revolution there were thousands of descendants of the catholic irish who had settled in maryland and pennsylvania during the seventeenth century as well as hardy irish presbyterians from ulster who came in great multitudes during the first half of the eighteenth century they had suffered persecution in ireland for conscience sake from their fellow protestants in maine new hampshire massachusetts pennsylvania and the carolinas they constituted entire communities 
the emigration of the catholic or purely celtic irish to america in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries was often compulsory at any rate after the middle of the eighteenth century it was large and became continuous a true drift catholics and presbyterians alike brought hostility to the english government with them and their voices fed the storm of discontent the irish schoolmasters of whom there were hundreds were especially efficient in this they came in every ship to the colonies they had no love for england for they had experienced in ireland the tyranny of english law and they would be more than human if they did not imbue the minds of the american children under their care with their own hatred of oppression and wrong and english domination the log schoolhouse of the irish teacher became the nursery of revolution they were a very important factor therefore in the making of the revolution and many of them took an active part as soldiers in the field the irish both catholics and protestants poured into the patriot ranks once the standard of revolt was raised in seventeen hundred seventy five the pennsylvania line which general lee called the line of ireland was almost entirely irish and the rosters of several of the maryland and virginia regiments contain a remarkably large proportion of irish names in some cases running as high as sixty per cent it is computed that the irish furnished not less than a third of the whole american forces a common cause blotted out all old religious prejudices between irishmen in the american service it was john sullivan of new hampshire son of a limerick schoolmaster who began the revolt by seizing the fort of william and mary and its storehouses filled with that powder which charged the guns at bunker hill in the following year it was captain jeremiah o'brien with his brothers who made the first sea attack on the british off machias maine in may seventeen hundred seventy five an engagement which fenimore cooper calls the lexington of the seas there were fifteen celtic irish names among the minutemen at the battle of lexington colonel barrett who commanded at concord was irish there were two hundred fifty-eight celtic irish names on the rosters of the american forces at the battle of bunker hill john sullivan had been made a major-general thereafter to be a notable figure in the war at princeton trenton newport and in his indian campaign the connecticut line was thick with irish names around washington himself was a circle of brilliant irishmen adjutant-general edward hand leading his rifles stephen moylan his dragoons general henry knox and colonel proctor at the head of his artillery john dunlop his bodyguard andrew lewis his brigadier-general ephraim elaine his quartermaster all of irish birth or ancestry commodore john barry born in wexford in seventeen hundred thirty nine and bred to the sea was a ship captain in his early twenties trading from philadelphia when the continental congress met he at once volunteered and was given command of the lexington the first american ship to capture a british war vessel later after gallant fighting on sea and land he was given command of the u s frigate alliance in which he crossed the atlantic to france and fought and captured in a rattling battle two british warships the atlanta and the trepasay he was the father of the american navy holding captain's certificate number one signed by washington himself the highest rank then issued general richard montgomery the brave and able soldier who fell at quebec as he charged the heights was an irishman general george clinton son of an irishman was a brigadier-general governor of new york and twice vice-president of the united states fifty-seven officers of new york regiments in the revolution were irish and a large number of the officers in the southern regiments of the line as well as of the militia were native irish or of irish descent 
the rosters of the enlisted irishmen of the new york regiments run into the thousands hundreds of irish soldiers suffered in the prison ships of new york the horrors of which served so conspicuously to stimulate american determination to carry the war to the only rightful conclusion washington always recognized america's debt to the irish st patrick he made the watchword in the patriot lines the night before the english evacuated boston forever on the memorable seventeenth of march seventeen hundred seventy six after the war he was made with his own consent an honorary member of the friendly sons of st patrick major-general richard butler and his four brothers all officers and brigadier-generals john armstrong william irvine william thompson james smith and griffith rutherford all fought with distinction all of these officers were irish-born it was in truth an irish war so far as irish sentiment and whole-hearted service could make it the record of irish soldiers names alone would fill volumes the thirst of the irish race for the glory of war is shown in the large enlistments in the last quarter of the eighteenth century and since in the english army and navy grattan in pleading for ireland claimed that a large percentage of the british forces were irish wolfe tone avers that there were two hundred ten irishmen out of two hundred twenty in the crew of a british frigate that overhauled his ship on its way to america bonaparte had in his armies an irish legion that did good service in holland spain portugal and germany marshal clark duke of felter french minister of war in eighteen hundred nine was irish up and down the spanish peninsula irish blood was shed in abundance in the armies of wellington never was more brilliant fighting done than that which stands to irish credit from the lines of torres vedras to badajoz and toulouse of the waterloo campaign volumes have been written in praise of irish valor as maxwell says in his tales of waterloo the victors of marengo and austerlitz reeled before the charge of the connaught rangers wellington himself was irish as in the later wars of england lord guff lord wolseley lord roberts lord kitchener and general french came from ireland the irish soldiers in the english service by a pitiful irony of fate helped materially to fasten the chains of english domination on the peoples of india in a long series of wars in america the war of eighteen twelve once more gave opportunity to the fighting race the commanding figure of the war which opened so inauspiciously for the united states was general andrew jackson the hero of the battle of new orleans and afterwards twice elected president of the united states old hickory as he came to be lovingly called was proud of his irish father and sympathized with the national longings of the irish people he was a splendid soldier and his defeat of the english general pakenham on january eighth eighteen hundred fifteen which meant the control of the mouths of the mississippi as well as safeguarding the city of new orleans reflected the highest credit on his skill and unflagging energy the english had superior numbers between eight thousand and nine thousand men against a scant six thousand under jackson and their force was made up of veterans of the european wars in command of the left of his line jackson placed the gallant general william carroll born in philadelphia but of irish blood who was afterwards twice governor of tennessee the british general made the mistake of despising the soldier value of his enemy yet before evening of that day he saw his artillery silenced and his lines broken as he died of a wound on the field the battle was actually fought after the signing of the treaty of peace at ghent it annihilated british pretensions in this part of the world anyway after commodore perry the victor in the battle of lake erie and himself the son of an irish mother the northern naval glory of the war of eighteen twelve falls to lieutenant thomas macdonough 
of irish descent whose victory on lake champlain over the british squadron was almost as important as perry's admiral charles l stuart old ironsides who commanded the frigate constitution when she captured the cyane and the levant fighting them by moonlight was a great and renowned figure his parents came from ireland and charles stuart parnell's mother was the great sea fighter's daughter lieutenant stephen casson commanded the ticonderoga and fought her well captain johnston blakely who was born in ireland captured in the wasp of eighteen guns the much larger british reindeer of twenty guns and one hundred seventy-five men in a splendid fight and later sank the avon an eighteen-gun brig after capturing a great prize which he sent to savannah he sailed for the spanish main and was never heard of more captain boyle in the privateer comet of baltimore fought the hibernia of eighteen guns and later in the chaucer known as the phantom ship so fast she sailed took eighty prizes on the high seas general a e mccomb who commanded victoriously at plattsburg was of irish descent and colonel robert carr who distinguished himself in the same campaign was born in ireland major george crogan of kentucky the hero of fort stevenson was the son of an irish father who had been a soldier in the revolution colonel hugh brady of the twenty second infantry commanded at niagara he remained in the army and fought in mexico william mccree of irish descent was general brown's chief engineer in laying out the military works of the american army at niagara let it not be forgotten that in this memorable company brave mrs doyle has a place her husband patrick doyle an irish artilleryman had been taken prisoner by the british in the affair at queenston and had been refused a parole accordingly when the guns were trained on the english lines before fort niagara mary emulating the example of her countrywoman molly pitcher at monmouth determined to take her husband's place and regardless of flying british balls tended a blacksmith's bellows all day providing red-hot shot for the american gun battery and sending a prayer with every shot into the british lines after the queenston affair it is well to note the english doctrine of perpetual allegiance was abated twenty-three irish-born men were among the captives of the english in that engagement they were manacled to be sent to ireland to be tried for treason not as enemies taken in the field winfield scott then lieutenant-colonel was also a prisoner with them he protested loudly against this infamous course upon his release he laid aside twenty-three british prisoners to be treated like the irishmen eye for eye and tooth for tooth as a result the irish prisoners were exchanged colonel john allen who fell at the head of the first regiment of kentucky riflemen at the battle of the river raisin on january twenty first eighteen hundred thirteen was one of the irish allens of kentucky his father and mother were natives of ireland the mexican war eighteen hundred forty six to forty eight again showed irish valor at the front it was not a great war though brilliantly fought and rich in territorial accessions the campaigning comprised the work of two main expeditions and a subsidiary movement in california one column under general zachary taylor penetrated northern mexico and fought the battles of matamoras palo alto and resaca de la palma in may eighteen hundred forty six with a force of two thousand two hundred men forced the evacuation of monterey in september his army swelled to five thousand and defeated santa anna at buena vista in february eighteen hundred forty seven general winfield scott with a naval expedition attacked vera cruz from the sea in march eighteen hundred forty seven and took up the march 
thirteen thousand strong to mexico city fighting the battles of cerro gordo contreras churubusco molina del rey and chapultepec and entered mexico city on september fourteen general james shields born in tyrone ireland in eighteen ten was in command with his brigade under scott a brilliant soldier he was severely wounded at cerro gordo and again at chapultepec he served as united states senator after the war and again took the field in the civil war his forces defeating stonewall jackson at the first battle of winchester in eighteen sixty two the glamour of chivalry lights the name of phil kearney here was a born soldier he was a volunteer with the french in algiers in eighteen hundred thirty nine to forty he also commanded under scott with brilliant bravery and was breveted major on the field for gallant and meritorious conduct at the battles of contreras and churubusco in the french war with austria in eighteen hundred fifty nine to sixty kearney fought with the french distinguishing himself at the decisive and bloody battle of solferino in the civil war he was brigadier-general of new jersey troops in eighteen hundred sixty one and major-general in eighteen hundred sixty three taking distinguished part in the battles of the peninsula and second bull run and was killed while reconnoitering at chantilly general stephen w kearney with the army of the west by dint of long marches secured california among the fruits of the war general bennett riley born in maryland of irish ancestry commanded a brigade at contreras making a wonderful charge and also fought brilliantly at cerro gordo and churubusco and was breveted brigadier-general he attained the army rank in eighteen hundred fifty eight major-general william o butler under zachary taylor was one of the heroes of monterey born in kentucky son of percival butler of kilkenny who was one of the famous five butler brothers of the revolutionary war whom washington once toasted as the butlers and their five sons general butler succeeded general scott in command of the entire american army in mexico in february eighteen hundred forty eight another of clear irish descent who fought under zachary taylor was major-general george crogan whose father born in sligo ireland had fought in the revolution he himself took part as we have seen in the war of eighteen twelve and now was at the front before monterey once when a tennessee regiment wavered under a hot converging fire crogan rushed to the front and taking off his hat shouted men of tennessee your fathers conquered with jackson at new orleans come follow me and they followed in a successful assault major-general robert patterson who was born at straban ireland and was the son of a ninety-eight man saw service in eighteen twelve and became major-general of militia in pennsylvania whence he went to the mexican war he also lived to serve in the war of the states among irish named officers mentioned honorably in official despatches are major edward h fitzgerald major patrick j o'brien captain casey chosen to lead the first storming party at chapultepec captains hogan byrne kane mcelvin mcgill burke barney o'sullivan mccarthy mcgarry and mckeon captain mayne reed the novelist a native of ireland was in the storming of chapultepec theodore o'hara the poet served with the kentucky troops and was breveted major for gallantry at contreras and churubusco while on the staff of general franklin pierce afterwards president of the united states o'hara's magnificent poem the bivouac of the dead has made his name immortal it was written on the occasion of the interment at frankfort kentucky of the kentucky dead of the mexican war where glory guards with solemn round the bivouac of the dead erwin c mcdowell who was breveted captain at buena vista commanded a corps in the civil war george a mccall breveted lieutenant colonel at palo alto was a major-general in the civil war francis t bryan was a hero of buena vista 
lieutenant colonel thomas p moore and captain james hogan both won fame in the third dragoons lieutenant thomas claiborne of the mounted rifles became a colonel in the confederate army lieutenant colonel j w geary fought brilliantly and was to be heard from later with renown colonel john f reynolds of the third artillery lived to be major-general in the civil war and to fall gloriously at gettysburg nor must we forget major foliot lolly's bravery at cerro gordo second lieutenant thomas w sweeney a brigadier-general of the civil war and the planner of the fenian invasion of canada in eighteen hundred sixty six lieutenant henry b kelly of the second infantry afterwards a confederate colonel captain martin burke of the first artillery killed at churubusco nor lieutenant william f barry of the second artillery a brigadier-general in the civil war there were scores of other irish named officers and the whole american force of thirty thousand engaged the irish-born and irish-descended troops of all arms were numbered by thousands it was however in the civil war that the flood of irish valor and loyalty to the american republic was at its height the two million eight hundred thousand enlistments on the northern side stood probably for one million eight hundred thousand individual soldiers serving during the four years of the war not less than forty per cent of these were irish-born or of irish descent of the three hundred thirty seven thousand eight hundred men furnished by the state of new york fifty one thousand two hundred six were natives of ireland out of the total of one hundred thirty four thousand one hundred seventy eight foreign-born or thirty eight per cent of the latter while not less than eighty thousand of irish descent figured among the two hundred three thousand six hundred native-born soldiers of the two thousand two hundred sixty one engagements in the war few there were that saw no irishmen in arms and certainly in every one of the five hundred nineteen engagements that made virginia a great graveyard the irish figured largely of the one million five hundred sixteen mustered out in eighteen hundred sixty five not less than one hundred fifty thousand were natives of ireland while those of irish descent numbered hundreds of thousands they fought well everywhere and it would require volumes to give the names and deeds of those who distinguished themselves more than their fellows one name however shines with a great blaze above them all the name of philip h sheridan one of the three supreme soldiers of the union ulysses s grant and william tecumseh sherman being the others had ireland furnished only sheridan to the union cause her service would be beyond reward he was born in albany new york in march eighteen hundred thirty one the year after his parents john and mary sheridan arrived there from the county cavan in ireland the family moved to somerset perry county iowa the following year there philip began village life how he gained the beginning of an education worked in a grocery store became a bookkeeper longed for a west point nomination and got it how he worked through the academy in eighteen hundred fifty three served as lieutenant on the frontier in texas california and oregon until the outbreak of the civil war when he was promoted captain and ordered east can be quickly told his history under the fall of the confederacy would need many long chapters his military genius included all the requirements of a great captain and his opportunities of exhibiting all his qualities in action came in rapid succession in every service from quartermaster to army commander his talents shone his tremendous vigor incredible mental alertness and genius for detail added to his skill and outreach continually set him forward he stood five feet five inches high but somehow looked taller owing to his erect splendid bearing there was something in the full chest the thick muscular neck the heavy head the dark blazing eyes and the quick bodily movements that arrested attention 
his name has come down to this generation mainly as a great cavalry leader but he was a natural commander of all arms a great tactician a born strategist his campaign of the shenandoah valley was a whirlwind of success his great battles around richmond were wonderful general grant's opinion of sheridan given thirteen years after the war sums up the man it is here quoted from j r young's book around the world with general grant it runs in part as follows as a soldier as a commander of troops as a man capable of doing all that is possible with any number of men there is no man living greater than sheridan he belongs to the very first rank of soldiers not only of our country but of the world i rank sheridan with napoleon and frederick and the great commanders in history no man ever had such a faculty of finding things out as sheridan of knowing all about the enemy he was always the best informed of his command as to the enemy then he had that magnetic quality of swaying men which i wish i had a rare quality in a general i don't think anyone can give sheridan too high praise praise from u s grant is praise indeed a peculiar feature of the civil war was the growth of the generals grant sherman sheridan thomas meade all conspicuously experienced it with sheridan however one point is notable namely that he triumphed in every branch in each successive extension of the field of his duties and he went from captain to major-general in three years of the regular army his care for his men was constant his troops were always the best fed best clothed best rested in the armies on either side but on no troops was there more constant call for endeavour and they were never found to fail him in action he is described as severe peremptory dominating but his determinations were mighty things not to be interfered with he wanted things done and done at once his men of all grades soon conceded that he knew best what to do and set about doing it accordingly out of action he was joyous of spirit but in fight or out of it his alertness and his lightning-like decisions marked him apart from every other commander his career in the tennessee campaign was meteoric of his score and more of great conflicts the most picturesque was his wonderful battle at cedar creek to fight which he rode at breakneck speed from winchester twenty miles away through the dust and debris of a broken army to the extreme front rallying the scattered regiments and turning a defeat into a crushing victory which recovered all that had been lost taking twenty-five cannon and one thousand two hundred prisoners and driving for miles the lately victorious enemy under early captain p j o'keefe was one of the two who made the ride beside him the battles of waynesboro five forks and sailor's creek showed the same brilliant generalship on the part of sheridan his hold on the affection of the army and the admiration of the people continued to the day of his death august fifth eighteen hundred eighty eight when he held the headship of the united states army as general in succession to the great sherman general sheridan towards the end of the war had a soldier's difference with major-general george g meade commander of the army of the potomac but that did not blind little phil to the real merit of the victor in the tremendous three days battle of gettysburg handling an army new to his hand against robert e lee the meade family is of irish descent george meade the grandfather came from dublin and was a patriot in the american revolutionary war general meade commanded a division of antietam and a corps at fredericksburg and held command of the army of the potomac to the end of the war he was a fine soldier and gentleman of quiet manners at most times he was most irascible in the hour of battle but his temper did not becloud his judgment general james shields and general erwin mcdowell both fine irish soldiers have already been mentioned 
it would be hard to compass in a brief article even the names of the general officers of irish blood in the civil war general john logan who fought with the western armies is worthy of high and honourable mention as is general thomas francis meagher a patriot in ireland a prisoner in australia a soldier of dash in the civil war meagher's irish brigade left a record of valour unsurpassed their charge at fredericksburg up mary's heights alone should give them full meed of fame general michael corcoran a native of ireland commanded the holy irish sixty ninth regiment when it departed for the war in eighteen hundred sixty one and after his exchange from a confederate prison raised and organized the corcoran legion major-general mcdowell mccook commanded brilliantly in the western campaigns who has not heard of the fighting mccooks a family of splendid men and hardy warriors brigadier-general thomas c devon was a superb cavalry commander who led the first division of sheridan's shenandoah army through all its great operations general james mulligan of illinois was of the true fighting breed colonel timothy o'mara led his superb irish legion from illinois up missionary ridge brigadier-general c c sullivan of western army fame was one of the five generals headed by rosecrans who recommended phil sheridan for promotion to brigadier-general after the battle of boonville as worth his weight in gold general brannan was a gallant division commander in the middle tennessee campaign colonel william p carlin made a name at stone river general james t boyle of the army of the ohio under buell was the brave man whose promotion to division commander left a vacancy for little phil that was to be an immediate stepping-stone to higher opportunity brigadier-general mcmillan who commanded the second brigade at cedar creek Colonel Thomas W. Cahill, 9th Connecticut, Lieutenant Colonel Alfred Nephy of the 156th New York, Captain Charles McCarthy of the 175th New York, Lieutenant Colonel Alex J. Kenney of the 8th Indiana, Lieutenant Terence Riley of the Horse Artillery, all won distinction in the Shenandoah Valley such splendid fighters as general james r o'byrne colonel guinea colonel cavanaugh colonel john p byron colonel patrick gleason general dennis f burke wrote their names red over a score of battlefields but one cannot hope to cover more than a fraction of the brilliant men of irish blood who led and bled in the long hard and strenuous struggle the sixty-ninth new york regiment was the mother of a dozen irish regiments including the irish brigade of meagre and the corcoran legion the ninth twenty-eighth and twenty-ninth regiments of massachusetts were all irish a gallant irishman born at fermoy was brigadier-general thomas smith who made a name and died in the battles around richmond there was not a regiment from the middle western and western states that did not hold its quota of irishmen and sons of the irish after the names of porter and farragut in the navy stands next highest in honour that of vice-admiral stephen c rowan born in dublin of the famous family that produced hamilton rowan one of the foremost of the united irishmen it was the son of the vice-admiral a lieutenant in the army who carried the message to garcia from the united states war department to the cuban commander in the eastern jungle of cuba before the outbreak of the war with spain and did it so well and bravely through such difficulties and dangers that his name will stand for the faithful messenger forever as a consequence of their stand with the american people in the civil war the position of the whole mass of the irish and irish-american people was vastly uplifted in american eyes the unlettered poverty of scores of thousands of irish immigrants who came in multitudes from eighteen hundred forty six on had made an unfavourable and false impression their red blood on the battlefield washed it out on the southern side as well irish valor shone while the great flood of the mid-century irish immigration had spread itself mainly north east and west the larger cities of the south also received a share 
the slave system precluded the entry of free labor into the cotton corn lumber and sugar lands of the south but such cities as new orleans mobile charleston savannah vicksburg and richmond gave varied employment to many of the irish who made their homes in the southland and so they came to furnish thousands of recruits to the local confederate levies the louisiana tigers who fought so valiantly at gettysburg on the southern side included many irish the georgia brigade that held the confederate line atop of mary's heights at fredericksburg up which the irish brigade so heroically charged had whole companies of irish there were scores of irish in many of the regiments that made pickett's memorable charge at gettysburg all through the confederate armies were valiant descendants of the earlier irish immigration that settled the uplands of the carolinas and virginia and the blue-grass region of kentucky most famous most glorious of these was stonewall jackson lieutenant-general thomas jonathan jackson next to robert e lee the greatest soldier on the southern side no more splendid soldier figure rises out of the contest educated at west point serving in mexico then a professor of philosophy and artillery next a volunteer with his state when virginia took arms against the union his long and brilliant service included a large share in the victories at bull run gaines mill malvern hill cedar mountain harper's ferry antietam fredericksburg and chancellorsville where he was accidentally wounded by his own men he was once defeated by general shields as has been noted the piety and purity of his life belie the supposed necessity for the coarser traits that are thought to go with the terrible trade general patrick r cleburne was born in eighteen twenty eight near cork ireland he was in the english army three years and coming to the united states became a lawyer at helena arkansas he enlisted in the confederate army as a private rose rapidly to the command of a brigade and made a great name at shiloh as major-general he led divisions at murfreesboro and chickamauga and was thanked by the confederate congress he fell at the battle of franklin a soldier of commanding presence skill and daring beloved by the whole army of the west the gallant colonel thomas claiborne was a striking cavalryman it was lieutenant thomas a claiborne of the first south carolina who with colonel b brannan lashed the broken flagstaff on fort sumter in june eighteen hundred sixty four when under a withering fire the flag of the confederacy had been shot away the fighting of major-general gary of south carolina around richmond was desperate he was the last to leave the city when it fell as told by captain sullivan he galloped at night through the burning city and at the bridge over the james cried out we are the rear-guard it is all over blow the bridge to hell and went on into the night the story of the civil war is a mine of honor to the irish and irishmen should set it forth at length here it can be merely glanced at the war of eighteen ninety eight with spain that great patriotic efflorescence was brief in its campaigning immediately provoked by the blowing up of the u s s maine in havana harbor on february fifteenth war was declared on april nineteenth admiral dewey sank the spanish fleet in manila harbor may first the first troops landed on cuban soil june first the first and last real land battle before santiago occurred on july first through second with thirteen thousand five hundred troops on the american side against an available spanish force somewhat less in number but holding strongly fortified and entrenched positions around the town the advance and charges uphill necessary to capture el caney and the steep heights of san juan called for desperate courage it was there however and the irish in the army exhibited dash and persistence as duty demanded in the second day's fighting the spanish assaults on the american positions were repelled and the land fighting was over the americans in the two days lost over ten per cent killed and wounded 
the destruction of cervera's fleet on its attempt to escape from santiago on july third ended the struggle with the regiment of rough riders under theodore roosevelt who says he reckons an o'brien a redmond and a man from ulster among his forebears were many gallant irishmen kelly's murphy's burke's and doyle's for instance his favorite captain bucky o'neill of arizona fell at the foot of san juan the white regiments of the regular army had their quota of irish as had most of the volunteers the ninth massachusetts was all irish the sixty-ninth new york all irish never reached the front in the war but shared the fate of the one hundred fifty thousand troops cantoned through the southern states their only effective enemies being dysentery typhoid and malaria a little splash of irish blood came with the fenian dash into canada on june first eighteen hundred sixty six there had been active preparations for a real invasion by some fifty thousand irish-born or irish-fathered soldiers who had served in the civil war the american government using its army force intervened to prevent the bellicose movement not however before colonel john o'neill who had served in the cavalry with sherman on his march to the sea with captain starr one of kilpatrick's cavalry captain o'brien and about seven hundred well-armed men all civil war veterans had slipped across the niagara river at fort erie they made short work of all in sight threw out a couple of hundred men who burned a bridge and tore up the railroad tracks their scouts fired on a small british detachment which ran on the morning of june second news came of a larger canadian force advancing and o'neill went out to meet them deploying his men in a field near the high road at a place called ridgeway he sent his pickets forward they found heavy ground in front and about three-quarters of a mile away some one thousand four hundred men of the queen's own of toronto and the hamilton volunteers advancing rapidly in line o'neill after a few rounds withdrew his pickets and the canadians taking the movement for flight came briskly on as soon as they were clear of cover o'neill firing a volley gave orders for a charge at it they went with a cheer and the whole canadian line gave way they ran as fast as their legs could carry them leaving some fifty killed and wounded after chasing them for two miles o'neill halted his men and brought them back to fort erie where they entrenched the canadians did not stop until they reached colburn eighteen miles away the fenian loss was twenty-five in the night o'neill learned that no help was coming from the united states side while news reached him that a force of five thousand canadian and british regulars was advancing on fort erie accordingly at two a m on june third he surrendered to the united states forces with four hundred of his men who were detained for a few days on the u s s michigan and then let go the balance of his force about two hundred fifty men escaped in groups across the river there was another little victorious skirmish with the canadians lower down under captain spear who also slipped back over the border unpursued what fighting took place was workmanlike and creditable there was a flicker of irish fighting spirit in the boer war many thousands no doubt were in the english army of two hundred fifty thousand men brought against the thirty thousand boers but there was a small irish brigade that fought on the boer side and was notably engaged at spion cop where the english were driven so sweepingly from their position by desperate charges in the war of eighteen seventy between france and prussia 
the good wishes of the irish went with france for the sake of the old friendship largely helped no doubt by the fact that at the summit of army command was marshal mcmahon a descendant of a warrior of the old irish brigade his service in algiers his skill and daring in the crimean war before sebastopol where he led the division which stormed the malakoff his victories in the italian war of eighteen fifty nine against austria including the great battle of magenta all made him a striking romantic figure he failed in eighteen hundred seventy against the prussians at worth and was made prisoner with his army at sedan but he suppressed the commune after the war and was president of france from eighteen hundred seventy three to eighteen hundred seventy nine the device by which three hundred irishmen took part on the french side in the war with germany has grim humour they went as aides in an ambulance corps fitted out in dublin by subscription but once on french soil enlisted in the army maybe we can kill as well as we can cure said one of them the compagnie irlandaise as it was called did creditable work and was in the last combat with the prussians at mont their captain m w kerwin was offered a cross of the legion of honour but for some reason declined it dr constantine j mcguire who won the decoration for bravery before paris during the siege of the commune did however accept it receiving the cross from the hands of marshal mcmahon and hale and hardy wears the red ribbon on occasion in new york to-day even as this chronicle of daring deeds and daring doers is being penned in the ranks and as commanding officers on the side of the allies in the far-flung battle lines of the great european war are men of irish birth and let it not be forgotten not a few of the opposing side are the descendants of the irish military geniuses who in days gone by fought so gallantly across the continent from dunkirk to belgrade they are all every man of them bearing bravely as of yore their own part amid the dangers and chances of the fray if the inspiring story is of necessity here barely sketched in outline it nevertheless clearly indicates that as it has been for two thousand years of irish history so it will be to the end of the human chapter the irish race is the fighting race and willing even eager to risk life itself for vital issues references keating's mcgeoghegan's mitchell's histories of ireland j c o'callaghan the irish brigades in the service of france the green book lossing field book of the revolution field book of the war of eighteen twelve several mexican war histories battles and leaders of the civil war the irish at home and abroad new york eighteen fifty six canon o'hanlon irish american history of the united states o'hart irish pedigrees martin i griffin life of commodore barry john d crimmins irish miscellany joseph deneef fenian recollections plowden historical review of the state of ireland london eighteen hundred three hayes history of the irish seventeen hundred ninety eight rebellion macaulay history of england j r young around the world with general grant several valuable articles and records of research by michael j o'brien of new york end of section fifteen